Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Ecuador Insider Podcast. I'm Jesse Bayer, joined as always by my business partner, Darnell Dunn. We have, as promised, a expert on immigration law and specifically getting visas for foreigners here with us tonight, who we'll introduce momentarily. I'm very excited about that. Today is Friday, February 17th. I'm coming from you to you from Loja, Ecuador. Uh, Darnell and our guest as well are coming to you from Cuenca. Um, we have been in the middle of just an amazing stretch of weather here in Loja. Super happy about that. Sunny days, warm days. Um, that's been awesome. Let me just introduce who we are very quickly, and then um, we'll get to our guest and, and get to a lot of great materials today on the upcoming election, the political situation in Ecuador, um, what that means for the country going forward, uh, both opportunities and risks, as well as um, a detailed look at the new immigration law. Um, so we are Abundant Living Ecuador. We're a real estate and relocation services firm based out based out of Loja, well, Cuenca now as well. Um, we cover much of southern Ecuador and have branched out as well into some of the north and, and on the coast. Um, you can reach us or you can see us uh, on our website at abecuador.com. Uh, from the U.S. and Canada, you can call us on our toll-free line at 888-999-0948. Uh, Email us at info at abecuador.com, and of course, check us out on YouTube, Facebook, etc. So we are joined tonight by Maite Doran, and she is the founder of Gringo Visas, which is a very respected uh, service out of Cuenca that's helped lots and lots of foreigners successfully move to Ecuador. Um, I'll go ahead and just read her bio here off of her website to introduce her, and we'll get into the show. Uh, Maite Duran is the founder of Gringo Visas. She was born in Ecuador and moved to the U.S. as a teenager, where she attended and graduated high school and college. After a successful career in real estate and finance, she returned to Ecuador to be closer to her family. Maite began working for a company in Cuenca that offered relocation services and quickly became their visa specialist, recognizing the growing need for a service that not only specialized in visas, but could also deliver the level of customer service that expats expect. Maitai founded Gringo Visas. She opened her Cuenca headquarters with a multilingual team, including legal counsel. In Quito, the Ecuadorian capital, she positioned her staff near the immigration headquarters to benefit clients. And finally, due to the increasing number of American expats relocating to Ecuador, she opened a fully staffed office in the United States. Over the years, she has successfully processed all types of visas for hundreds of expats from around the world. Um, so, Maitai, thank you. Maitai, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, how are you? Hi, very good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, well, we're, we're psyched to get you on the line. A lot of people have um, a lot of confusion and a lot of questions about this immigration law um, that was recently passed. From everything we can get our hands on uh, ourselves, it seems like some of the rules are still being written. And um, I know they had a, sort of a freeze on visas there for a minute. I don't know if that's still going on. Um, sort of a confusing time. So we're hoping you know you can clear some of that up for us tonight. Um, so let's uh, jump right into that. Why don't you, um, if you would, for our listeners, if you could just kind of give somewhat of an overview of some of the changes that have taken place. I know there's some temporary visa options now and um, a few other changes that have taken place. What are, what are the changes that stand out to you with the new immigration law? Absolutely. There is a lot of questions out there uh, because of this new law. Uh, but I have to say, I believe these changes are positive uh, because we needed a new system in order to function better. A lot of things are also staying the same. I think they changed things that needed to be changed, like one of them is that, you know, you can still enter the country with a 90-day visa, but then this visa can be extended into another additional three months, and then you can apply for a special visa if you like to stay here in the country for a year. In the past, you couldn't stay a year as a tourist. Now you can with this 90-day visa, then the additional 90 days, and this special visa for another six months. Okay. Of hey, course hey Maite, Maite, I'm sorry to yes. interrupt you. Um, we had just done a sound check uh, prior to jumping on the recording, and everything sounded really good. I'm getting a lot of interference on your line. Let's try something and see if it helps. Um, Darnell, let's uh, me and you mute out while she's talking and see if um, that has any effect on it, because it's a little... I don't know if you're getting that same static, Darnell, on your end, but... Yeah. Yeah, you are. I okay. Am. So let's both hit mute and then Maite will let you uh finish talking and hopefully hopefully that clears it up. 
Oh, okay. Um, I hope you can hear me better now. I also lowered the volume on my end. Yes, actually, um, so I think that was it. Oh, perfect. Okay. So, um, like I said, now people can stay in Ecuador for up to 12 months um, as a tourist. Uh, this visa can only be obtained once every five years. So once they decided that they don't want to be tourists anymore and they want to become residents of Ecuador, they can go ahead and apply for a temporary visa called a temporary permanent residency visa. And it looks like they're doing kind of alike of what we, they have in the U.S. When you apply for a visa, they don't give you a permanent residency visa automatically. They first give you a temporary visa. And of course, after two years, after they've seen that you've been a good citizen, that you paid your taxes, that you haven't committed any crimes, then you can automatically um, apply into a permanent residency visa, which is the case um, of the new law here in Ecuador as well. Um, and a lot of people are concerned of, um, you know, the documents that are going to be needed 21 months after they have been a, a temporary resident. Well, at that time, they're not going to want the FBI report or the state report from the U.S. They will want an Ecuadorian police report, which can be easily obtained online, and then it's certified by the court in Ecuador. So the, I don't see... I don't see like a big hit on that. It's not going to be a major thing. We don't know the fees. We are hoping that the fees stay the same because they they were changed last year. They had an increase in the fees last year. So again, you know, one um, a temporary resident at the end of 21 months, they can go ahead and apply for the permanent residency. But one of the major changes I see is that to exceed the time that you're allowed to be out of Ecuador. Hey, um, Maite, you, we were doing great there with the sound, and then it came back in a little bit. Could you try maybe lowering your volume slightly more? It seemed to help last time. Can you hear me better now? Um, yep, a little. Mm -hmm. Okay. Should I? I don't know if it's me or should I speak louder. No, I think it's Will just. I think it's just the line, and um, just now when you spoke, it sounded better. So please continue. Okay. All right, so now the, the, big, the big changes are the ones that, um, that when you leave the country for more than 90 days. In the past, when you were a permanent resident, if you left the country for more than 90 days, you automatically lost your visa, and there were no exceptions made. Now that has changed. If for any reason you leave the country for more than 90 days, the first year, you have to pay a fine of $1,125, which is equal to, to um, three minimum salaries. So if you do that the first time, then if you do that second year, you will also have to pay. Now, if you exceed year number three, um, year number three, however, you can be out of the country for 180 days instead of 90 days. If you, in fact, exceed that 180 days, you will have to pay a fine for $1,500. However, if you do that, if you, um, if you exceed it one more time, you will lose your visa automatically after that. Okay. So let me just see if I have this right. So your, the new law says that um, first you have to apply for a temporary uh, resident visa. That's a two-year visa. Um, and then you can apply for the permanent residency visa. Um, you don't need the police report from the, your country of origin the second time around. Um, and your travel restrictions are basically the same, but now you can, there's a fine involved. You can basically pay to travel, it sounds like, um, for the first, first two years. Correct. And if you exceed the time. Um, right. So it's going to be um, 90 days for the first year while you are a temporary resident. 90 days for the second year, but then year number three, after you have become a permanent resident, then you can be out of the country for 180 days each year. Mm -hmm. But if you exceed those 180 days, which is pretty much half year here, anywhere you like, but if you exceed those, the fine will be $1,500, mm -hmm. $1,500. So now, but then another time, like it'll be time number four, where you have exceeded the, the days out of the country, they will not 
charge you a fine, you will lose your visa. Okay, so four strikes you're out in this case. <laughs> um, yes. Okay, very good. Um, and I assume that n none of these laws um, affect people who are already have a visa or already in the process, um, you know, have already started the paperwork. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, the changes are going to be applied to um, new applicants. And so anybody that had the visa before, they're not going to be affected. But the laws have not been written yet. They still have 120 days uh, to do it. Mm -hmm. um, we think that they're going to come out soon, but once they come up with these laws, we feel that even for permanent resident visas, they're going to be somewhat obligated to buy insurance. Great. Well, that was my next question. So, it, okay, so it sounds like the rules aren't clear on that yet, but um, some sort of health insurance are going to be needed to, is that for tourists as well, do you think, or is that only for if you're applying for a visa? The law is not so clear right now. Um, what, I've, what we have assumed with the team of lawyers that I have working with me is that to come in into the country at first, they will want traveler's insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, if you uh, if you're an Ecuadorian and you're traveling to let's say Europe, mm -hmm. um, we as a tourist we have to buy travelers insurance, and um, it looks like they want to implement the same here in Ecuador. But like I said, it's not written yet, so we are assuming that that's what they will want, because without a cedula, you can buy government insurance. Okay. And um, our, my understanding as well is that they've expanded or they've increased, excuse me, the um, amount of time you can come to Ecuador as a tourist uh, without applying for an extension from three months to six months. Is that accurate? Well, you, as a tourist, you can come in for three months, which is 90 days, and then you can extend those for another 90 days. Okay, At the so, end of those mm -hmm. 90 days, pretty much 180 days, then you can apply for an additional 180 days. So it has increased okay. the time that you become that you can be a tourist. Okay, so it's it's still three months, but then you can get a three month extension and then a six month extension. Correct. Got it. Um, Darnell, you got questions on the visa? Um, yes. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, well. I shouldn't say I do. I did. Uh, you took my question about the um, the um, the travel insurance, but it sounds to me, and I just want to get your opinion on this, Maite, uh, that it sounds to me as though for people who were, you know, as you know, Jesse and I being people who you know both gotten our visas, uh, and you know, me personally with some help from you. Um, the travel, it just seems to me from, you know, looking at the old law that we got our visas under versus the new one, it seems like there's less travel restrictions, um, not having to go to your country of origin to get a police report um, is really beneficial uh, and a lot less headaches. And it just seems like there's more flexibility with the fines as opposed to under the old system where you had to... Um, just give up your visa if you, you know, if you didn't follow through with some of the travel restrictions. Is that your understanding of it? What are your thoughts around that? I think it's going to be beneficial because um, based on my experience, I had a few clients that had to leave the country for many different reasons. One of them uh, being health issues and they had to exceed the 90 days. They were looking to pay a fine and not having to um, start all over again in before. Or there were no exceptions made. So now they're going to have this option of paying the fine and they can continue on with being residents of Ecuador. Great. And uh, another question I had for you uh, with respect to visas in your business, what kind of visas are you doing the most of? What kind of, of trends are you seeing with people coming to Ecuador? Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Um, one of the best options we find in our office is that it's better to have the visa issue in the U.S. before you relocate to Ecuador, especially if you're going to have dependents added to your visa or if you're going to ship a container, or even to save money on not having to buy a round-trip ticket. So, for example, if you're looking to relocate within the next six months, it gives it gives us enough time to have the visa issue in the U.S. Now, when you come into the country, 
within a week or so, you can get your cedula, and the cedula will get you the government insurance. So if for any reason you're coming in as a tourist at first, you have to buy this insurance, but if you're coming in as a resident, you know, within a week of arrival, you can get your health insurance, then you will save money. You will also save time and, and headaches of going to the immigration office and traveling here and there and um, ship your container duty-free. So one of our best advice is to, if you, if you know you're moving in the next six months or even a year, to have the visa issue in your home country. The beauty about this visa is that it's not a time limit for you to come into Ecuador after your visa is issued. So you can have your visa issue and wait, you know, six months before you move to Ecuador. Um, in a few months ago, they changed almost a year ago, they changed this law where you cannot add any dependents to your visa unless you had a cedula. And just imagine you're coming to apply for your visa in Ecuador and then add your dependents later on. This will mean that your dependents are going to not have a visa or a cedula for a long time because they first have to wait for your approval and then only after you have your visa, you can apply for dependents. So having, having a, again, issue in the U.S. will avoid this extended time of waiting. Great. Hey, uh, and uh, as yep, far as the um, the most popular visas, they're still the same. You can still get a pension visa, and um, the numbers haven't changed. You can still get an investor's visa with depositing the money in a CD account. And, of course, the professional visa is still active. Very good. That was my next question. Um, great. I think we've covered that. Um, anything else, guys, on the visa before we move on? Yeah, one, one last question, Jesse. Um, so my take with that recommendation uh, about getting the visa in your home country before arriving to Ecuador, how has the new legislation changed that? Um, for example, can someone get a cedula if they are um, a temporary resident as opposed to a permanent resident? How does that work? Or is that still being worked out? Um, it's getting cut off, but um, the cable visas, meaning the visas that are going to be issued in the U.S., that has not changed. It's still the same. Meaning, of course, they're going to be applied to the same laws, but the visa can, in fact, still be issued in your home country. Yeah, Darnell, you were cutting was, in and out a little bit on that question. Did um did did she get at what you were asking? Yeah. Uh, well, let me just um, ask it again, just yeah, to now be sure. Now you're loud and clear. Okay. Great. So uh, my question was: Can someone still get a a cedula issued to them if they only have a temporary visa? Uh, how does that work with um, you know getting health insurance and bringing a shipping container into Ecuador, or those things still being uh, written? Um, we have some information that it's still going to be the same, meaning they can still get the cedula and they can still get health insurance. Now, the only thing is that if the visa doesn't get renewed or doesn't get, become a permanent, then they have to give up the cedula or give back the cedula. But if they continue, the number will not change. The visa and the cedula will just continue its course. Okay. So that's the, great. The, the question, the answer is yes. You can get health insurance with the temporary visa. And Darnell, of course, you're referring to the state option health insurance when you're asking that question, correct? And, uh, as well as the state. Yes. yes. And it uh, looks like, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And th this is not clear uh, for people traveling in as tourists. Right now, in order to purchase health insurance, you have to have a cedula. But who knows? That might even change. You can purchase. Um, maybe they put it so you can purchase government health insurance without having to have a cedula. We don't know exactly what the law is going to say about that. And uh, Maite, you you mentioned um, a number of days they had to write all the rules. Was that 120, did you say? 
Um, 120 days from, yes. When, when they passed the law. Yeah. So, and they mentioned that they're going to have maybe even a little bit extra to, um, to make sure they comply with the business that they had pending and, uh-huh. and to have everything in order because okay. to them, to the ministry, this, this is a major change. This is our significant changes for them. And, um, so during those four months or so while they're sorting out the rules, are the old rules in effect, or is that somewhat unclear? Um, it is somewhat unclear, but we have at least um, updated from them that what we submitted before is going to be subject to the old rule. Right, what's and, already in. Yes, mm-hmm. I think next week we're going to know more because this week they kind of shut down the applications, right. taking in the applications to work out the details of this new law. Mm-hmm. The joys of the joys of bureaucracy. <laughs> yes. Okay. Very good. Anything else on uh, visas? Uh, that's it for me, Jesse. Very good. All right. Well, um, as we've talked about fairly extensively on the last couple of shows, um, we are in election season here in Ecuador. Um, they just shut down campaigning. Uh, was it yesterday? Was the uh, last day that you could campaign? I believe. Um, So we're now in sort of a quiet period until Sunday when we have uh, national elections. There's um, three and some would argue four um, potential, uh, uh, well, people who are, you know, uh, serious candidates to be elected. Um, To recap that for people, that's uh, Lenin Moreno, who is the uh, Alianza País party, the candidate, the uh, party of Rafael Correa. Um, There is Guillermo Lasso, who's um, a uh, banker and uh, more from the right. Uh, as well as uh, Cynthia Viteri, who also is um, of a similar uh, political leaning. And then uh, Paco Moncayo, who um, I've heard varying uh, opinions on his sort of political leanings, um, everything from right to left. Uh, but my understanding is a little more left than right. But um, perhaps you can clear that up for us. But um, we have elections again on Sunday. We also have, are in a, uh, a state-mandated mandata- uh, dry uh, season. We have, um, uh, we have prohibition here in Ecuador for the next few days uh, through Sunday. You can't uh, buy uh, booze. Um, so again, election coming up, a lot on the line, um, very different directions that the country will go in should, for example, Moreno get elected or Lasso get elected. Um, I've heard political analysis ranging from, uh, Moreno is likely to be elected to, uh, you know, Moreno is unlikely to be elected. So a lot of opinions out there. Um, the polls seem to have Moreno, uh, in the thirties for the most part with, followed by Lasso in the high teens or low 20s, uh, followed generally by Viteri, a little bit behind him, and then uh, Moncayo bringing up the rear. Um, I've seen some with have him around 8% or so. Um, so interesting time. Should um, should Moreno not get, uh, well, Moreno's likely, likely the only candidate who could achieve this status. Should he not get either 50% of the vote or 40% of the vote with a 10-point lead over the second-place candidate will go to a runoff election on April 2nd. Um, I think a lot of people uh, think that that's pretty likely. Um, so that's where we're at, um, and we've talked about this stuff a lot. I'm not going to recap too much, but again, we've had you know an interesting time in Ecuador under Correa's rule. Um, obviously, lots of uh, good things that have come out of that, but also very heavy taxes, very heavy regulations, um, really a difficult business climate, and really a difficult climate for the private sector, um, period. So, you know, let's get into that a little bit. Um, why don't uh, Why don't we just start with you know what are, What are your general thoughts on the election? Um, what do you think maybe is going to happen? What would you like to see happen? And then we'll kind of get into some of the ramifications of that. Oh, absolutely! Um, President Korea did a lot of great things, but he's been in power for ten years. So I believe changes are coming to Ecuador. I hope changes are coming to Ecuador. Um, there's the historian in Ecuador, um, Simon Bolivar. You know, he said at one point that there's nothing more dangerous than to leave, to give power to a person for a longer period of times. Um, in this case, you know, President Correa has been already been in power for 10 years. So I think it's, it's, it's time for a change. So I hope to see that, but I'm not against any of them. Um, I know Lasso is a good candidate, and I know they've been saying a lot about him for being a banker. Um, and there's a lot of things that they're putting against him, um, but nothing has been proven. 
if in fact something has been proven against him, um, he will be in jail by now. But that has not happened. Um, and then also um, Cynthia. Cynthia is, um, I have, again, like nothing against her, but uh, hopefully she's w the second one also. And I mean, my overall thing is to see a new person. We had a lot of good things, like I said, and it's time for a change. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you about that. I was, I was, um, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, perhaps, but since you brought it up, can you clarify for me and for our listeners what was Lasso's role uh, during dollarization? Um, the collapse of the Sucre and subsequent dollarization that has gotten people so upset. During March um, of 1999, when this um, Feriado Bancario happened, he was the Ministry of McMinistry. He was in charge of the finances of Ecuador. And um, he had family members that were owners of the banks. But okay. he was involved being a family member, and he was also the Ministry of Economics here in Ecuador. But again, nothing was proving to him that he did something wrong. The fact that he was a ministry at that time doesn't make him, he, does, he should not take the blame for what happened. Okay. It was the whole economy, it was the president, it was many, many different things. Okay. And many different factors on why that happened. So then if I have, and I'll just kind of recap a little bit of this history for people, and please um, correct me on anything that um, I say wrong. I'm not from here. I have not studied this in any great detail. Um, you know the history much better than I do. But um, so, you know, 2000, um, interest rates are through the roof on the Sucre, um, obviously meaning that it's in trouble. Um, they, they call a bank holiday, um, I guess one day turned into two days, turned into three days, and then ended up sometime, I think, early on the following week, um, basically announcing sort of all in one shot that, uh, you know, the Sucre is going down. And then I don't know if it was a couple days later or exactly the timing, but that Ecuador is going to dollarize. And so it sounds like to me, what you're saying is that the charges against Lasso is sort of that he had inside information on that. Um, and he sort of, Maybe, maybe, perhaps kept that quiet, and um, and then you know everything sort of just happened, and obviously Ecuadorians lost a huge amount of wealth in that transfer over from sucres to the new valuation of how many dollars you're going to get for the sucres you currently held um, in the various banks at that time. Is that more or less accurate? Um, I think it got a lot, a lot of more involved in it because of the fact that he had family members that were bankers. Right. And that's kind of where the blame began for my, from my point of view. But maybe there was nothing he could have done because um, the dollar didn't happen from one to another. It was planned. Right. It took its course. It took months. And what happened with the money isn't that necessarily that the interest went up is that the money were frozen, so people couldn't take the money out of their bank accounts, couldn't take money out of their savings account. So if you had a certain amount of dollars, you go to the bank and the bank didn't give you your money, and it was frozen there. And after some time, um, banks negotiated, so they will give you a percentage of your money. Mm -hmm. But then at that time, when you were allowed to take the money out of the bank, it became dollars. So people that had a lot of money in our bar, all currency, all of the sudden in dollars, it wasn't much. And that's where people lost a lot of money and they had to, um, they had to, that's where, that's when a lot of immigrants left the country to go somewhere, to go other places like the United States and Europe to look for better opportunities. Okay. It's people that had money and then all of the sudden they didn't have money. Ecuador lost more than eighty million dollars. Yeah, um, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, my understanding, just uh, the in the point on interest rates, was that um, what I had what I've been told is that leading up to the period of time when it became to the, it got to the point where it was hard to get your money out of the bank. Prior to that, I heard banks were paying you know outrageously high percentages, for example, on deposits or on 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 CDs on polisas. Um, so that's just what I was referring to with the interest rate uh, point. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah, that was part of the problem also, you're right. And that's when um, President Corbett did very good on that. He would put a max on the amount of money that you can collect on interest. And they also, um, in the past, people would lend money to friends and family and, you know, just make business out of lending money and collecting very high interest. All of that got regulated with President Korea. Okay. D, what you got, man? Political. I'm sorry? <laughs> the elections. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, I think we've, we've um, you know, really talked about this a lot in the, the last couple of shows. Um, but I definitely see the, the base case of, um, you know, base case being what's reported is that you know, Moreno won the first round, um, but it will have to go to a runoff. And I think at that point, um, you know, one of the opposition uh, candidates, which it looks like Lasso is really the front runner of, um, people will rally behind them because it seems to me as though people in Ecuador really do want to change for all the reasons that Maite was bringing up. That after 10 years, you know, not to mention that the president who's served, you know, 10 years, three terms, who's rewritten the Constitution, also um, had a, a um, what do you call that? Not a referendum, but a, um, um, I guess, a new clause added to the Constitution to abolish term limits. Mm -hmm. So, you know, after 10 years and three terms, I think people look at everything that's happened, you know, good and bad and say, that's not really the direction that, that most people want to go in. So, you know, I certainly think that, you know, we'll have a new president here in Ecuador um, come May. And, you know, I think that that person will be Guillermo Lasso. Putting you on the spot, uh, Maite, um, if you had to call it today, who wins? Who's the next president of Ecuador? Guillermo Lasso. I, I am part of his political party. As a matter of fact, when, um, when was in two, three years ago, the elections for the governors of Cuenca, I was one of the, um, I ran for an office. So I am with Guillermo. Yeah. Well, you get no argument for me, certainly. Um, <laughs> I would uh, very much like to see him win as well um, for reasons, you know, we've discussed. And just to sort of recap that for people, um, I think there's a lot of people out there sort of, um, you know, maybe from the political left a little bit more who, you know, maybe are looking at the election from a distance and um, sort of thinking to themselves, sort of putting it in these terms. Um, well, you know, Rafael Correa and his party um, have done so much good for infrastructure, for uh, poverty. Um, they've helped, you know, with all, all sorts of things, which we've gone over many times, and that should, and that the other direction would cut spending in those sorts of ways um, and, you know, sort of increase the the wealth gap, if you want to use a, 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 a funny term that we use in the States. Um and, and, you know, sort of looking at it from that perspective. And, and while that's a perspective I certainly can understand, I just want to sort of give people a sense of, and, and you could, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to in hear from your business as well how it's affected you. Just give people a sense of sort of how far things have gone in the direction of taxes and whatnot. Um, at, at this point in Ecuador, um, and this is really maybe even more true here in Loja than it is in other places with the mayor that we have, um, but here in Ecuador, to do anything at this point, entrepreneurial or business-oriented, is extremely difficult. And it's not only the tax policy, which I think is fairly outrageous, but it's also um, the amount of, of permissions needed to do anything and the amount of things that are outright prohibited and also the time and money it takes to get um, permissions and, and those sorts of things um, you know, uh, issued. So the the entrepreneur in Ecuador is really sort of um, you know inhibited in 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 a way that I think people maybe coming from some countries that don't really have a sense of that couldn't even sort of um, ha have a context for. Um, it's it's very very difficult to be in the private sector right now in Ecuador under current tax and regulatory policy. And so whether you know whatever side of sort of the political spectrum you come from, I think everybody would agree that you know you need a you need a functioning private sector for a, you know a, an economy to work, a, a country to function. And the way things are going in Ecuador um, under under the current um, administration, it's it's sort of your in the bed in bed with government and you're doing okay or you're not and it's you know extremely difficult to make a living
Um, and I, I'd be interested just to hear from your perspective how sort of some of those taxes and regulatory policy has affected maybe your business, but also some of those things that you've seen, uh, perhaps just observing it with other people. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, Guillermo Lasso, he's a business owner. He knows how to create jobs, and I believe he's going to make the changes that we, the business owner, need. Because you're right, right now it's very difficult to even get a license to open up a business. You know, before you open, you want to close your business. That's the kind of way it is going right now. Um, and licensing, and I understand that we need a lot of uh, rules, but it takes forever um, as of now. So I hope that changes, even if um, Lazo doesn't win, I hope that changes with Lenin if he's going to be our next president. Well, that brings up a very interesting question. Is, is, do you think that's on the table? Do you think that's a possibility that if Lenin – a lot of people have said this. I kind of don't buy it, but I'd be interested to hear your perspective. Do you think that Lenin Moreno actually could be a very different president uh, policy-wise than Rafael Correa? The same political party, and I mean I hope he sees what President Correa didn't do correct and he makes changes to, to be better and to be different than – Korea. Um, but, you know, right now, Lenin Moreno and Lasso, one of the two are going to win, I think. So our, our, my hope and our hope is that if he wins, in fact, he makes changes into what's not functioning correct. But again, he's on the same political party, so we'll have to see. Maybe Korea comes back after a little bit. <laughs> D, you want to jump in? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I think you brought up a really good point, Jesse, about um, you know the people who may um, you know lean differently from you know um, either of the three of us, and you know some of the social programs that may be at risk, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the thing that that um, that I look at, and you know, I, I'd be the first person to recognize. Um, all the great things that have happened with the roads and the infrastructure, the bridges, the seaports, you know, all of the things that Ecuador has done to, to, you know, really develop into what I would call, you know, not, you know, not a third world country by any stretch of the end, you know, certainly not a first world country, but definitely somewhere in between. Um, you know, a lot of the roads that you'll find in Ecuador are better than roads that I drove on in the United States for years. So. Um, I think there has been a lot of, you know, positive things that have happened in Ecuador in the last 10 years. You know, at the same time, you know, at, at what cost? Um, you know, government, you know, as a percentage of GDP is more than doubled over the last 10 years. And so you have a lot of social programs that people are talking about and concerned about that aren't sustainable anyway. You know, the government is going out and borrowing money from China or the IMF, um, you know, under different terms that, you know, may not be in people's best interest long term. But it's almost like the idea of, you know, we're going to do this to help people um, sort of trumps everything. You know, how many schools can you build? How many hospitals can you build? You know, that doesn't always make sense. Um, and when you're spending other people's money to do good things, people, you know, that also can distort um, uh, incentives. And so that's why I'd like to see things different. Um, and, you know, I, I have every um, reason to believe that they will be. Yeah, I mean, when you start talking about 75% taxes on anything, I think you've crossed the line long ago. <laughs> I mean, how can you say to somebody... Okay, you know, after in, you know, I think we, we've talked about the, um, the capital gains tax, you know, that's, that's one of the things that, you know, certainly affects our business the most, but more than anything for, for you know, you or me, um, you know, or Maite for that matter, I think it's, it's just something that ripples through the economy and makes it hard for anybody here to make a living. If the government says, well, you know, this is what, we have decided that it's fair for you to make and everything beyond that, we keep 75 cents on the dollar because we used your money to invest in things that we wanted to invest in. And, 
because you bought some property where a road goes by that we built with your tax dollars, we can take 75 cents on the dollar. I mean, that just stops making sense. Yeah, it's outrageous. I think, too, there's a couple of points I just want to make about um, Korea's uh, presidency. And again, I, I think, you know, to your point, um, I don't take away from the things he's done well. We've covered that numerous times. Um, there's no point to rehash it. He did them. Um, it's true. Um, the level of debt under Korea has increased dramatically. Um, you know, Ecuador is, is not high on the list of, of most indebted countries, you know, debt to GDP, but it, it has a, quite a significant debt. Um, there's also been, you know, a lot of things that have happened that I think are really, really negative for the people he seems to want to appeal to the most, which are, you know, uh, the, 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 you know, people less economically, uh, well off, etc. For example, uh, and I believe this was done uh, in the Constitution. In Ecuador, um, you know, you you do not own uh, as a landowner. You don't own anything under the soil, um, including all the water. So you don't own the water on your land. If there's gold under your land, you don't own that. You don't even own the rocks under your land. I mean, you couldn't even. You can't even. Uh, you know, dig for gravel uh, on your own land without getting permission. And part of that what's happened out of as a result of um that particular aspect of uh the, the the law here is that you can actually get mining concessions on other people's property because it's just a matter of getting permission from the government and it has nothing to do with ownership of the actual property and you know they're going in with the police and military for example uh you know close to where we are in Zamora province etc and, you know, bulldozing people's houses as they kick them off their land because, you know, mining companies have, uh, have um, you know, concessions that, that the people, you know, may be compensated for in some very small way. Like, for example, the government will pay out what they say that, that land is worth, you know, what they have it valued at, which is, is not much, especially if you consider there's gold under the ground. Um, so, you know, that, that, that has been part of his presidency as well. He, he's, he's, he's doing a lot of things people really elected him specifically to not do. For example, uh, you know, drill for oil in the Amazon. Um, and at this point, you know, much of Ecuador, I was looking at the map today, uh, the government has a website for it. Much of Ecuador is now has various types of mining concessions. You know, much of the country is, is yet already has mining concessions either for gold or for gravel or for metal. Um, and, you know, we're actually helping people now uh, get mining concessions for their own land just to protect it, not necessarily to mine. Um, not that I have anything necessarily against mining per se. Um, but I just, you know, I'd like to make that point for people who kind of are supporters of Korea. And yes, he has done a lot of good. But a lot of those things that I think people who would support him would be really important issues to them, he's gone very much the other way on. Yeah, absolutely. Um Anything uh, to add to that, Maite? Um, yeah, I agree with you. Korea uh, has gone above of what he should have done, especially getting in so much debt with China, spending more money. Um, the spending money is outrageous, especially on the uh, public side. You know, you have people working like three or four where there should be one person working. So he's appealing to the people that are not so um, well off here in Ecuador as far as being on the poor side, but also for all of the jobs that he's got, he's created, uh, but too many of them spending the money. Yeah, right. They're, they're government jobs. should not spend. Yeah. Maite, um, I want to just jump back really quick into the election. There's a lot of talk in Ecuador about election fraud, voting fraud, um, reports of dead people voting, um, reports of, um, uh, you know, election fraud. Well, what's your thoughts on that? Is that is that a real thing? Is that a risk? Um, what do you think about that? I think it's, um, it's definitely, I think, to me at least, it's a real thing. Uh, people need to go vote because what they're saying is that they would vote for people that are not voting or they're voting, they're giving votes to the official 35 right now for people that are voting in blank or not giving it to any, voting in blank means they're not giving the vote to anybody, they're just leaving it a blank. And so what they will do is, um, there's at least what they're saying is that this this vote will be count, uh, account for the list 35. 
Yeah, I've heard that as well. So that was actually going to be my next question. So yeah, so if you, so for example, a lot of people, you know, say like, because it's, it's mandatory to vote in Ecuador, otherwise you get fined. So a lot of people- $60 is the fine. Right. So a lot of people say, you know, well, I don't need to vote in the first round. I'll wait till the second round. But um, so, the, you know, potentially it sounds like some of those, or, or like you said, some people might go and vote maybe for local candidates and leave presidency blank. It's, and I've heard this as well, that, that it sounds like, you know, those votes maybe, uh, you know, end up getting counted for, uh, the, the current administration's party, Alianza País or, or 35. So you've heard, that's, that's your understanding. That's my understanding too. And that's why they have been created, um, controls. Um, at least Lasso has created people to conscience, but there's only so much they can do. You know, we are in control. So we are the ones that we should go and vote and exercise our right. Yeah, or in this case, exercise our obligation. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you're right. <laughs> We're obligated to do it. Yeah. Not like in the U.S., Right. Hey, let me um let me jump off topic for a second. But I know I know you do you know you deal obviously with tons of foreigners. You deal. I think you dabble in real estate a bit as well, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? No, not real estate. Not too much. Okay. Um, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? And and if and if if this is just not your expertise and you want to um you know uh, defer, <laughs> you're welcome to do so. But what are you seeing in the real estate market or in the business market in general in in Cuenca? And then you know I know that's you know where you sort of are based out of. Perhaps you have an idea also for the rest of the country. But what what are your thoughts on on prices? Um, perhaps whether it's rentals, whether it's um uh, pr- uh home homes or you know properties, um as well as sort of the business the business climate there. What have you seen? Over the last couple of months obviously the last couple of years have been really bad um, both for business uh, as well as real estate we've we've seen an interesting uptick over the last couple of months things are like crazy right now with with buyers and sellers um, tons of stuff coming on the market I know obviously that's not your business but what are you seeing uh, just from sort of a bird's eye view of you know just talking to folks and and you know being a business person in in Cuenca with uh, the business climate uh, over the last few months specifically and and perhaps real estate if you have any thoughts on that in Ecuador, um, at least in Cuenca, where I where I live, the properties are always the market is always good. Um, not necessarily. I mean, there's where right now you're saying it's really crazy. People are buying, people are selling, but we have times and we have times. Mm-hmm. And um, the properties don't necessarily go down in value like they did in the U.S. back in 2006. So you're never gonna you're never gonna buy a property in Cuenca for an underprice. That's what I see, and I I mean it's I don't think it has declined. And if something I see a lot of more constructions going up, especially for for buildings. That's where people like to live lately to avoid a lot of things with um, with thefts and. And overall um, maintenance of the houses. Okay, um, Darnell, I think you know we've covered a lot of what I wanted to cover. Um, do you have some things you want to get to before um, we give Mai Tai some time to talk about what she does and, and get out of here? You know, I um, I really would like to give her the time to be able to um, to chat with us about Gringo visas and um, you know anything else that she has going on. So. Um, Maite, I'll turn it over to you to, to, um, to talk a little bit about Gringo Visas and anything else that you want to talk about or plug or any other businesses that you are um, involved in or working with. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Well, Gringo Visas has been doing nothing but visas for the last seven years now. We have offices in Cuenca, Quito, Guayaquil, and um, some offices, not offices, but we have people that work for us in Loja and in Vilcabamba. So we're, when we have clients from those areas, we can still take care of them. We have also the office in the U.S. I have a person that works there full-time. She's in charge of doing apostilles. So, for example, if somebody came in without a police report, without an FBI, we can take care of that without them having to go back to the U.S. And um, this person in Connecticut... Um, it's been doing apostilles for the 50 states for the last three years now for me, working for me in Connecticut. And Gringo Visas also has three attorneys and staff. So when you come to Gringo Visas, you know that we're going to be there for you. And it's not one person to do the best they can. It's a team of people working for you. 
you can find us online or you can always call me or email me if you have questions. Very good. And just uh, what is your website? It's uh, gringovisas.com. Is that correct? Gringovisas.com. My U.S. number is 203-648-4511. My Ecuadorian number is 0989-153622. But also info at gringovisas.com and email. Great. And I know, Darnell, I know you um, worked with Maite on, on a visa, and I, I, we've referred a couple of people to her. We've certainly had, had good experiences personally as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. She was um, really instrumental with some of, the, um, some of the documents that, you know, are difficult to get sometimes and, and um, you know, getting those apostilled and, you know, getting, um, you know, criminal reports from the state. It's a, you know, a regulation that was added um, prior to this one, I think back at the end of 2014. So these things are always changing and it's always great to have access to expertise, um, with people who, you know, do that every day. So, um, you know, very positive personal experience for sure. Thank you so much. Donald. It was a pleasure working with you. And if, um, anybody likes to contact me, I'm always available. Thank you so much for having me and enjoy your weekend. We'll see okay, who's the new president next Monday. All right. Fingers crossed. Thank you so much for being here, Maite. Thanks Thank for you. joining. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, D, you want to shoot us out of here? Yeah. Yeah, we'll do. Um, you know, once again, wanted to thank Maite for joining us on today's podcast. What are we at? Number 28? 28, I believe. Yep. Man, we're, um, we're uh, getting pretty good at this. We're media <laughs> moguls is what we are. <laughs> you're you're a media mogul. I'm just um I'm just the uh the guy that shows up every once in a while and chimes in. Yeah, I'm an aspiring uh media mogul and you don't have a Facebook account. <laughs> <laughs> so don't ask don't ask me how that happened to me by the way cuz I was um you know I was I was like the last guy in the world to have Facebook and now I'm you know shooting like selfie YouTube videos but <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how the oh, times change. How the mighty have fallen, right? Exactly. Well, good. Um, well, everyone, um, you know, thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you want to follow up on anything that we discussed here, anything that you find on the website, you can reach us uh, toll-free from the U.S. and Canada at 888-999-0948. Reach us via email at info at abecuador.com or um, check out any of um, our services, uh, blogs, and uh, in addition to being able to listen to this podcast on our website at www.abecuador.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll check in with you next week.